in a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. And welcome to the CEO Rita Podcast. It's your host, John Mayetta. If you like the podcast, leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. Subscribe if you haven't already, if you're not already a, a loyal and loving listener. Here's a, a, a scary data point. Only 38% of 600 public company directors surveyed by the National Association of Corporate Directors picked cyber threats as a leading trend that's likely to have an impact, a meaningful impact on their respective companies in 2018. And it's kind of scary that this survey took place in November of 2017. And that 38% figure is up from 34% a year ago. So there's slightly more awareness, but not much. And so we've had Equifax, we've had the SEC itself was breached shortly after Equifax. Not to mention, it seems like there's a breach mentioned every week if not multiple breaches. A number of high-profile companies have been, have been hacked recently, and not so high-profile. And I don't have the figure in front of me, but it was interesting that one of the, the industry verticals that was not so concerned in this survey was the healthcare industry, which is just fascinating because I can't think of an industry that's more at risk. When you think about hospitals and other healthcare providers, when you think about health insurers, you know, both sides of the equation, insurers and the providers have massive amounts of PII data, social security, social security numbers, credit card numbers, so on and so forth. A ton of sensitive data, sensitive personal data, and yet apparently it's, it's no big deal. So one thing I feel for sure is that the, the, the penalties for hacking should be upgraded. The penalties should be more severe. On the public company side, I'd like to see stiffer penalties. The SEC is supposedly reviewing guidance for how companies, public companies, should disclose information. The SEC has asked that companies take a, a hard look at their insider trading policy. If you remember, prior to Equifax disclosing, disclosing the breach in September, a certain number of executives traded the stock, sold shares in July of 17. And if you also remember, and this part isn't so much criminal, it's just inexcusable, uh, the, the hackers were, were in the systems not the most precise way of describing the, the issue, but the hackers had breached Equifax in the May-April time frame. So they weren't discovered until July. And that discovery was not disclosed to customers or to the public until September. And, and it's a problem. So number one, customers need to be made aware because it's their, in the case of companies like Equifax, it's their sensitive PII data that's been exposed. And then obviously, investors need to be made aware through the proper disclosure channels, meaning you need to issue a press release so that all investors are made aware at the same time, so they don't violate any disclosure disclosure rules. So we'll see what the SEC arrives at in terms of guidance. The SEC described its forthcoming updated guidance as, as a tweaking. So we'll see. But I, I'd love to see increased severity in the, in the penalty, in the penalties levied against insiders, insider executives whom harbor information, don't disclose properly. Frankly, I'd like to see penalties for companies that store sensitive PII data who, who don't take the appropriate measures to encrypt their data, to protect their data. You know, there ought to be, and there probably are, uh, best practices. Uh, th this particular survey that I referred to 
uh, this this industry group has issued guidance as well in, in terms of how to disclose for cyber and how to screen board candidates with respect to being able to tell whether or not that particular board candidate is is aware of cyber threats, has some fundamental level of understanding. And so they've issued a number of different papers around the theme of cybersecurity and, and best practices and such. And as I was just kind of scrolling through them, I noticed that most of them were published in 2015. So it, it just it just feels like an issue that, that nobody wants to wrestle to the ground. And you, you can't stop cyber threats. That's just a new form of corporate warfare. That's the new battleground is the internet. And so you know, corporate boards can't look for a savior. They have to be their own savior. They have to familiarize themselves with best practices. They need to see, they need to have every corporate board, particularly public companies, particularly companies that store PII data, they need to have somebody in the board who's just curious about this stuff, who just makes it their personal mission to be up on the latest and greatest with cyber, publish their own research and thoughts about cyber. They should be thought leaders. Yeah, it's an issue where you can't just be a, a follower. You've got to be a, a, a leader in this space. It's ultimately a, a cat and mouse game, cyber threats. Good guys leapfrogging bad guys and, and vice versa. So you've got the most at-risk industry vertical who is basically oblivious to the threat, healthcare. And despite all the high-profile cases, the, the risk level, the threat level, the 38% up from 34% year-over-year, that's, that's hardly encouraging. That's pretty scary. And the fact that the SEC thinks you know a slight tweaking is 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 good enough. Let, let's just recap the the post mortem. Let's review the post mortem just at, at a high level for Equifax. All right, so they disclosed the breach in early September, September seventh, I believe the date was, twenty seventeen. It was three weeks before former CEO Richard Smith stepped down. So I and I think that was a political move by Equifax. I think they would have just kept him in if they could have. Um, I think they blew him out the day before he was scheduled to speak at a congressional hearing, which, which he spoke at, but he didn't, he didn't speak as Equifax CEO. He, he, he should have been fired immediately. Uh, the, the, the current interim CEO at Equifax, I don't have the gentleman's name in front of me, but he gave testimony in early November of 17 to, to Congress, at which time he said, I'm not sure if we're encrypting customer data at this moment. So this was two months after a very high-profile breach. Two, two, two months after the disclosure of a very high-profile breach. The breach was discovered in July of 17. So when the breach was discovered, that's what it should have been dealt with. It should have been dealt with in July of 17. So Smith discloses the news on September 7th, posts a YouTube video, does the mea culpa, and even he doesn't think to take measures to encrypt customer data. He essentially does nothing until he's removed. He does nothing. And then the gentleman that replaces him does nothing. So I've said it before, but if, if you long this company, I don't know how, how care how cheap it is on a comparable basis. But you know, one of my filters for back when I was covering companies, acquiring companies, is, is quality of management. Amazon wouldn't be Amazon without Jeff Bezos. Apple wouldn't be Apple without the late, great Steve Jobs. And frankly, if he was still around, it'd be a lot better. CEOs matter, particularly over the long term. So Equifax made our 2017, they won the, the wall of shame for this reason. And the, and the problem is only going to get worse. Not necessarily for Equifax, but for just every company. And for Americans. Some of you may or may not be aware of a three-letter acronym called IOT, Internet of Things. And what that means is connected devices, devices connected to the Internet. Wired devices. 
And so we saw the, the very early stages of IoT, maybe half a dozen years ago, maybe a decade ago, with connected televisions, connected the televisions with which you could surf the internet in a ham-fisted way with one of these crappy remotes that the, uh, the cable companies provide. And then you saw the Apple TV and Google Chromecast, where you could stream video. And then we got the first real wave of IoT devices, in, in my view, just very recently with smart speakers, Amazon Echo, the Google Home line of speakers, and also uh, Nest kind of came between TVs and the smart speakers. Nest is also part of Google, so I just sort of bundled them in there. But the next wave is going to be everything from cars to appliances to home security systems, which you know they're sort of out there as well already, and every device in between, connected clothing, connected wearables. And in my view, the risk for sure is going to go up, the risk of cyber threats with all these connected devices. That's unquestioned. And I have, I have more confidence in large companies like Google and Apple and Amazon to have the requisite layer of encryption to ensure that these devices are essentially as safe as they can be. I mean, anything can be hacked, but, but Google, Apple, Facebook, Microsoft, anybody who may push these devices out, they have the, the strength of balance sheet to ensure that not only the, these devices provide the experience that we want as consumers, but that they provide that, that experience in a secure fashion. And that means constantly updating the, the embedded uh, encryption layer and pushing out updates so that it's transparent to the consumer. What I'm worried about is the other device manufacturers. And the, the Wall Street Journal mentioned, uh, what, smart elevators a couple days ago and things like this. So I'm worried about small tech startups who may not have the balance sheet to encrypt the most, or rather to layer on the most robust encryption to their respective products. Yeah, they just don't have the financial wherewithal. Or maybe, you know, when they roll their product out, it's sort of got the latest and greatest encryption on it. But six months later, that encryption becomes a little dated and maybe that startup doesn't have the balance sheet to then keep the, the security element fresh. Because you, you've got to think about uh, you know, cybersecurity and all of its facets as, as a line of business. Just like I've talked about running M&A as a line of business, you've got to think about cybersecurity as a line of business. doesn't matter what you do for a living, sorry. doesn't matter what business you're in. It's just the way it is. So you've got to deal with it as a board member and as, a, and as an operator. So it's, it's the small companies that I worry about, small tech startups that are going to be rolling stuff out. And it's also large manufacturers who have the balance sheet, but maybe that particular OEM, they just grew up in a different world. They know of cybersecurity. They just don't really pay attention to it. You know, they see it in the paper, but they just, hey, that's not us. We're not a tech company. And... They just don't pay the level of attention that's required to ensure the requisite level of protection for their particular goods and services. And as a result, you know, the bad guys can hack their device, scrape customer data off of that device, or use that device as a Trojan horse as an entry point to attack other devices in the home or connected devices in the workplace. So because there are going to be more uh, devices connected to the internet, more more endpoints, if you will, there's more risk, more endpoints, more exposure, more risk of cybersecurity. So it creates all sorts of new revenue opportunities and revenue streams for a whole host of companies, but it creates a whole new layer of risk. And you have to be ahead of the curve with this stuff. And we're clearly not. We're no ways near ahead of the curve. We're not keeping pace with the bad guys. 
Did anyone the SEC was hacked that the bad guys were posting false documents, false company company filings in order to elicit a trading response out of the markets? I mean, why do we still have social security numbers? Everybody's waiting for somebody else to to do something. There's not going to be a centralized answer to this problem. The government isn't going to hand out a solution. And whatever their guidelines are, their updated guidelines, they're not going to be stringent enough. It's up to companies. And companies, at the end of the day, are made up of people. So at the end of the day, the solution is going to come from people. People on the front lines, people at the board level, executives. They're going to have to share information, share ideas about how best to protect their assets against cyber threats. And they have to share best practices with each other. There ought to be a designated cybersecurity person on every board of directors. That person should have a short presentation at every board meeting with follow-up. This person should have sort of semi-active duty outside of board meetings. This person should be responsible for attending either in person or remotely or both, um, preferably in person, best practice meetings and conferences. And not just sitting in a chair and, you know, saying, yeah, I was there. But in addition to going to the keynote, you know, having conversations with people and actually making the experience worthwhile and, and sharing ideas. Hey, this is what we're doing. What are you doing? So on and so forth. It's going to be a problem and it will never be solved, but a problem best kept at bay, best dealt with by people exchanging information with people firsthand, actively engaging in solutions, and you could th- sort of think of it as like a, a football game, a baseball game, a hockey game, a basketball game, soccer or European football, if you will, a game that just never ends because it's here to stay. There is no such thing as, as eradicating cyber threats. It's impossible. can't be done. And so then the best approach is to play offense and stay on offense. You know, it's, it's a game where you don't want to be playing defense. You want to be on offense all the time. Smash Mouth Football, Johnny Unitas, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, on offense all the time. See you all next time.